Borak Doggerflitz. My name is Conrad alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 48th episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD and Tornado for April 1980, progs 159 through 162. This week, both Black Hawk and the Fiends of the Eastern Front end, but some old mm. friends return. Also, Judge Dredd steals the show, in my opinion. I plan on mostly <laughs> talking about Judge Dredd this week. <laughs> uh, you don't say. You don't I, say. I, I just got to put it out there. I'm very excited to get the, to get the, to, to Dredd this month. Um, or the, this episode, I should say. But before that, Fox... Um, how about I, uh, I make you a robot offer you can't refuse. <laughs> God. I don't All right, know. Yeah. I'm just, I, I gotta make these things where I can. Um, but let's go to Thrill One Robo Hunter. Uh, script robot for Robo Hunters, John Wagner as TB Grover. Script, uh, art robots, Ian Gibson. Lettering robot Steve's po- is Steve Potter. Hey, look, it's... Hoagie makes a lot of dumbass mistakes, and we try to watch Sam Slade do something in between. <laughs> I kind of like, like Hoagie. Hoagie is like he's like okay in small in small um, batches or something. But yeah, I agree that like they're giving him a lot of these humor beats that I don't think he's really strong enough to do, and it's more just kind of like he's more there to kind of add a page to the comic every week as opposed oh, to really advance the plot man. or something. Boom. If you think about it, you know. Yeah, I like the cigar a lot more. The cigar is the dude. All right, so. He's a murderer. <laughs> hey, whatever. I mean, even if he wasn't actively killing people, he'd still be a murderer just because of his uh, nicotine dispatching ways. Oh. oh. Take that tobacco companies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's up? <laughs> so we start with uh, Sam and Hoagie. And, and uh, Stogie, they're all on their run. They're infiltrating City Hall to learn the secret of the Day of the Droids. They enter the City Hall building and a late meeting is going on. The mayor is introducing a line of uh, robot police officers that will oh, all be made... Okay. This is definitely a good idea, by the way. Absolutely 100% great idea to do this, what he's doing. Yeah, yeah you just give all of the uh, police officers... Um, robot partners and that way we'll double the uh, amount of police on the job at all times whatever easy peasy so one counselor objects and the whole council then instantly passes out and a bunch of like tech bots and like stere- super stereotypical gangsters all come out yeah they're all like wide framed dudes and like two of them are smoking cigars <laughs> with like trench coats and fedoras and stuff it's um, ridiculous. So it turns out, so, so, so they start working on the counselor that objected, and it turns out that the entire city council is made of robots. Why is everybody robots? Uh, you know, you gotta make a plan. If you're a robot making a plan, you make everybody robots, you know? I'm, so um, I mean, I guess it wouldn't be Robo Hunter if he wasn't then hunting robots. Mm. So the gangsters go over the go over sort of the final plan with the robot cop, which is basically on the day of the droids, all the robo cops will kill their human partners, allowing the bots <laughs> to easily conquer the city. RoboCop is such a great movie. Ah, uh, dude, yeah. I mean, I, I, I keep calling these guys RoboCops, even though they aren't actually RoboCop. But it's just because I, I, I like that one. You know, I'd buy it for yeah. a dollar. <laughs> 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 Meanwhile, the smoke from one of the gangsters' cigars um, wafts up to uh, Stogie, and Stogie starts doing like a loud diatribe about the dangers of smoking to Sam, which, which totally blows their cover. But in like a really racist mexican accent i mean everything stogie does is with this really crazy speedy gonzalez accent i can't you can't cover it up you know no. um, so sam has to burst into action he takes down the robots as stogie cheers him on uh with an idea of the conspiracy sam takes the story to the chief of police who promptly reveals himself to also be a robot oh no which, it's just like, everybody's a robot? Like, all really? The, Every- all authority figures and their primary goons are apparently now, are, are currently robots, apparently. All I'm saying is, kids, your parents are robots, your family's robots, everyone's robots, run away from everyone, trust no one. Or at least press their front tooth and see if it makes their face <laughs> pop open. 
So, Hoagie recaps the situation, and the robot police chief orders Sam killed, but not before Sam takes a final drink of water, which he then throws in the exposed robot face to the police chief. God, mistake number one. Seriously. Sam wastes uh, most of the robot cops, but not the gangsters who are actually human. He tries to interrogate them, but is knocked out by the remaining robot cop and taken to a mafia nightclub, the Lucky Droid, as, Hoag- as Hoagie and Stogie. Stogie, who has now grown arms and legs, gives chase. I, which was really weird. He got a face, too. It's just yeah. like, what? Suddenly anthropomorphizes, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I like, what are you sucking on at that point? Uh, you know, she your buddy i guess uh. Uh. <laughs> so at the nightclub sam meets the god droid and i just have to admit that it has taken me like six years of reading 2000 ad to realize that all of these god references for the mafia guys are godfather references yeah it took me about halfway through the comic and i, I was, was like, like oh wait is he the god droid because he's the leader of all the droids and he's a god to the droids no that's dumb anyhow <laughs> I just I want to call out too. So Slade is brought into like the office of Omerta, who is the God Droid. Yeah. And on the in the back of the office, there are these two charts. One chart, which is going up and to the right, says God Droid mobs profits, mm-hmm. and the other one, which was inclining and then steeply declining, says rival mobs profits. <laughs> I like you. You, you got to chart. You got to chart these things, dude. But yeah, so. The God Droid is a giant gangster robot, like Fox said. He's got Omerta written on his tummy, basically. <laughs> Which, wow. We learn that he's locked the actual mob boss of the city up in like a birdcage, and he has a ch- and um he then and the God Droid then has all the human gangsters gunned down by the robot gangsters that he's got. And not before a bunch of bird puns happen between Slade and the mobster in the birdcage. A lot of lot of mob lot of bird puns, I'm not gonna lie to you. So It was really great. So Sam's fitted with a giant pair of cement shoes from the Rocco Brothers creative cement mixer team, and then oh is tossed off a pier. Hooray! It's like the mob. <laughs> exactly. Luckily, the water of the pier is so polluted that instead of drowning, uh, Fox just kind of, or uh, Sam just kind of, uh, I'm sorry, Fox. Sam just kind of sl- uh, slides down to about waist high, to, 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 to about waist deep, and then just kind of continues floating down slowly, I guess. Yeah, it's just super gross, and he's slowly sinking yeah uh i i i also want to shout out um the robot droids that are get get, get really philosophical about sam dying like oh yeah like a snowflake on a river one moment here the next departed it's the existential pageant of existence you know like ah come on you creeps let's scram you know it was beautiful. They they had a little moment for him. Yeah, but so uh, Hoagie and so Hoagie and Stogie soon arrive, and after a very long period of time, they realize oh. that they need to save Sam from drowning. And hey, eventually they do so. <laughs> oh God, I I only just realized that Hoagie and Stogie rhyme, and that's all right. Do my best. Um, I mean, they mostly call him Robo Stogie, but I just kind of keep it down there. Whatever. Um, So Sam's on the run from the cops and the mob, and even his police buddies don't believe his story. So it's time to take matters into his own hands. Sam blasts into his office and opens up a hidden tile under there, revealing an arsenal of weapons left over from the second robot war. It's a... Excuse me. It's a lot of weapons. It's like a lot. Even even Hoagie get get gets a gets a spare Tommy gun, and they which later will have a payoff in the worst possible way. Yeah, and so they they head out to take da- down the God Droid and his goons. So hooray for guns and ammo and grenades. Always. So the final. Pro- so there's some really good action in the uh, in the final prog for, for Robo Hunter. Sam makes an assault on the God Droid's bar after the Don sends out this fleet of like goons to take Sam down. Sam Slade hits the bar with mirror smoke, which blinds everybody, and then he starts taking down goons, like making them shoot each other and stuff like that. He tries to kill the God Droid, but the God Droid's too powerful, shrugging off like bomb blasts and stuff. Yeah, it's nuts. He's, like, sneaking around all these mobsters in the mirror dark yeah. and, like, throwing grenades and just, like, Omerta is just unfazed by things. Yeah, he just takes no damage at all. 
Um, in the end, Sam grab, grabs Legs Latuna, who's the mob boss that the god droid replaced, and runs off to a safe house, getting shot by accident in the shoulder by Hoagie in the process. Uh. As Legs recovers from being in a birdcage, Sam interrogates him, and he's got the info that uh, he needs to take out the god droid. Next episode, Clark Gable loves Sam Slade. Which, all right. <laughs> I mean, I guess. Yeah, I thought you know it's good. There's some decent wacky hijinks in Robo Hunter. I think you know it's really Robo Hunter. I think really often manages to hit the mark and the sort of delicate balance between sort of comedy and action that I really like in just 2000 AD in general. In this in this thrill uh, particularly. I, yeah, I completely agree because like so often like comedy misses in this, or like it's really um, like patently. Uh, dumb or like on the nose you know like yeah. when when we're talking about like future shocks really we're just talking about a dumb twist that's kind of like funny but unintentionally so yeah. i've always had fun with robo hunter it's always been really ridiculous i mean i i say i don't like hoagie but that's kind of like saying um not liking hoagie is basically uh, still loving Hoagie. If yeah, that's the to, yeah. Uh, Walter. You know. Yeah, that's the joke about Hoagie. Is just like it's like a bad pun or something like that. Like you sort of, yeah. You know, you you're kind of annoyed by him, but that's kind of the joke of him also. So it sort of is is fine to sort of feel that way, I guess. <laughs> Where Walter is always annoying, and I hate him. <laughs> right. Well, like you know. Hoagie makes the jokes and you laugh, whereas Walter makes the joke and you're like, ah, God, I want to kill you, Walter. But anyhow. <laughs> I hope you drown in your own oil. Exactly. Hey, speaking of killing things, Fox. <laughs> it happens a lot. Thrill. Yeah, you, you could link to any any um, any 2000 AD <laughs> thrill, honestly, <laughs> with that one. But uh, thrill to the VCs. Vape. So, script robot is Jerry Finley Day. Art robots Cam Kennedy and Gary Leach. Lettering robot is the Aldrich Mark II bot. <laughs> so, uh, Steve Smith and Jupe are deploying to an embattled group of troopers on a geek ambush planet. And it's a no-no move, too, because Mr. Weird Dishwasher guy's like, yeah, I don't want anyone to do stuff because I'm a dumbass. Just leave them to die because I'm the bad guy, you know? <laughs> yeah, clearly. Um, but so, Geek and Jupe arrive. You know, they obviously, it's just two of them. They can't win the battle, but they do help the troopers get better organized and set up defenses um, instead of just getting instantly blown away by the Geek forces, basically. Yeah, it's, it's surprising what two... Of the VCs, <laughs> I guess it's just because they have combat experience and stuff. While the uh, the troopers are are very green, mm. um, so they manage to get word to the fleet, um, and the uh, fleet general has managed to arrange to set up like a pickup, but they can only do it on this plateau that's about an hour's march away, and that must be done while the uh, two suns that are around this planet have set. So, Jupe has all but. the troop, yeah. But, but it only lasts an hour. That's right. So they have to really do it automatically or else they'll be under the rays of this blinding double sun and totally exposed to the geek uh, troopers. Such a poop. Yeah. So Jupe has all of his trooper has all the troopers uh, stripped down to just shirts and pants and leaves all their <laughs> helmets and armors and stuff behind as a decoy. There's about 70 or so troopers plus Jupe and Smith that head out and Ringer's words about not letting anything happen to Jupe uh, sort of echo in Smith's head. Which, yeah, that's ominous. Yeah. So, it's a breakout. Uh, Smith and Jupe lead the troopers past geek patrols and make it to the ridge. As the twin suns rise, the airlift is successful. Hooray! Uh, and, uh, and mind you, Jupe is holding off, uh, like, kind of the back yeah. side as everybody's like kind of rushing up the hill he's the dude who's like i'm killing all these things giving you time and Absolutely. he makes it yeah he also makes it but aboard ship smith and jupe are brought to the office of the dishwasher who again is the politico that's in charge of this whole operation jupe takes responsibility for the sort of you know uh for the order for the for, for the two of them to go down to the planet but it says he's already had his punishment and has let go and we learned that in the glare of the double suns, Jupe has been permanently blinded. 
That's such crap. Yeah. Jupe is so awesome. It's true, man. They just took him down. Um, so, Jupe is out. He's unable to fight, and Smith is probably in big trouble with Ringer. <laughs> in a big way, actually. Yeah. So, the fleet prepares to jump, and for saving the attack force, the VCs are sentenced to punishment duties. Uh, for instance, when the fleet leaves warp uh, and comes and uh, arrives back in normal space in an asteroid belt, it's up to them to fix all the damage. Yep. To uh, to do this, they have to use lance beams, and pretty much right away, Ringer tries to kill Smith with, with one of the lance beams. Which, like, no one's watching, no one's recording this, the other VCs don't say anything, but yeah, they just start having at each other like immediately yeah for their insubordination uh ringer and smith are brought before the dishwasher and for his insubordination the two of them are sentenced to death oh my god are they actually gonna die conrad (laughs) so instead of being sentenced to death right away uh the dishwasher is surprised by a geek right behind him or actually oh my god yeah it's a lifelike geek suit um, they want to test out these geek suits on an infiltration mission, but doing so is, su- is but doing so is a suicide mission. So obviously, Smith and Ringer are offered a chance to go on the mission in the suits as an infiltration team, or just be straight out executed. So this is where the most messed up thing in this fucking comic happens. So Jupe's like, "All right, guys, listen, you're gonna set aside your bull crap because you guys are about to jump down onto a planet and infiltrate." I want you to put this shit aside, shake hands, and be bros. And so Smith's the first guy, and he's like, all right, put it there. And then Ringer shakes him, and with razor blades in his hand, cuts him up. It's crazy. That's not cool. That's like the wor- That's honestly one of the worst things I've ever heard of. <laughs> just- yeah, no, that like <laughs> terrifies me for handshakes now. Like taking some... And just like that's supposed to be this nice moment, but instead... Like, taking advantage of the fact that Jupe is blind to mess with Smith, basically. Yeah, and mind you, Smith, like a complete badass, he only thinks like, ah, fuck, he's like cutting my hand with a razor, doesn't say shit. Yeah, he grins and bears it because he's trying to keep up unicohesion because he's, he's not a huge asshole like Rigger is, basically. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> but so, they all get in their suits, uh, or uh, so, Ringer and Smith... Uh, drop on the jute planet but it's a rough landing smith gets in his suit but he follows the sound of screams to find ringer stuck in some kind of crazy murder tree with a bunch of geeks um, observing his fate next episode through the pain barrier man vcs is finally kicking it up they're really like there's a lot of action and a lot of sort of interesting stuff going on in these um comics i think it's been doing pretty well so far you know i've really liked a lot of the devastation stuff we've seen and Mm. this stuff with sort of a little bit more with the with the vcs on the offense and sort of using new weapons and doing different things is very interesting i think yeah i just like when this was first kind of starting up like we were pretty excited for it just because it was some space battle stuff and it wasn't really landing as hard as it could in other progs with this one and i'm not saying it's like top or anything like that but it's definitely like amping up. We finally know these characters. It it feels good. There was some loss. Like I mean, Jupe yeah. not being able to have his eyes is like pretty intense to me. Definitely. So. Yeah. No. Um. The VCs is really picking up. I think. And speaking of picking up, oh my god. Yeah. Let's go to Thrill Three Judge Dread. Yes. Yeah, Procession buddy. of Death. So, script robots John Wagner writing is John Howard. Art robots are Ron Smith and Mike McMahon. Lettering robot is Tom Frame. So, okay. Ah, there's so much. There's so much Judge Dredd this month, too. So, so, hey, you're you're a demigod who is also going to kill a small child. What would you bring in your procession of death? What wouldn't I bring? That's what I want to know. I mean, I guess I'd have a bunch of dudes, like playing music on garbage and a bunch of weird mutants up in front and then some mutants that kind of looked like, you know, uh, Egyptian deities. And I'd be like shaking my hands in the air like, hey, check out my pull tab rings suit. Hey, that those pull tab rings mark me as the king of garbage. You know how hard it is to gather that many pull tabs um, <laughs> just from like leftover garbage dumps in the ruins of the old world, dude. It's hard. 
Yeah, it's probably pretty difficult. I mean, he, they, it is called Priceless. So, <laughs> But yeah, okay. So here we are. Um, it's the funeral for Fillmore Pharaoh, the garbage god. Pharaoh knows he's about to die because of the precognitive abilities of the judge child and is going out in style. Meanwhile, as he does, his kingdom is starting to crumble as slaves revolt and his second in command, so we're all mostly like con men, struggle to keep yeah. control. And really, like, aren't struggling too hard. They're just making sure the slaves don't revolt before they can get a bunch of garbage and bust. They're, yeah, they're basically just kind of, like, yeah, keeping things under control just so they can escape in the, in the right, with the right amount of money. <laughs> <laughs> Which, what the hell? When he learns that the judge child will die when Pharaoh dies, Dredd calls in his lawmaster bike and it's yes. time to just, just kill a ton of people. <laughs> <laughs> like really just everyone that it could technically possibly kill and yeah. i mean it kills a lot of people <laughs> mm-hmm. the revolt is on um, uh, dread shoots pharaoh but before he dies pharaoh closes the the coffin that the judge child is in driving a stake like, like a spike into his heart killing the judge child as well which what the hell man yeah things look bad until a rainstorm washes the paint off the kid's head and it turns out <gasps> there's just some regular kid that that was murdered by the by the pharaoh guy but where the hell's the judge child well we learn that well as the freed slaves start sending their former masters down the side of the pyramids on skateboards to their death which is great <laughs> Dredd learns that one of the surviving henchmen, Brother Bunsen, has absconded with the, with the judge child to Texas City. So we're off! Oh, I'm so excited for Texas City. Yeah. Walk so, tall, motherfuckers. It's true. So as we arrive in Texas City, we see, see, see that the map has changed a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So now, now Mega City 1 just covers just the East Coast, um, but goes as far north as probably as like uh, Southern Co- Quebec, and then ends at about like South Carolina or so, as opposed to yeah. Florida, as we've, as we've seen previously. Um, meanwhile, Louisiana seems to have completely flooded, which is reasonable, and um, yeah. and, te- and Texas City covers most of like eastern and mid Texas, with like sort of a line between Houston and San Antonio, forming the southern border, and then going up to Dallas or so. Oh my God! Sorry, I'm trying. I got all, all I got is geography. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to paint the picture but so dread uh dread rides into tech city by boat and it gives us a great skyline of the city oh man complete with like a massive cowboy statue that's like waving howdy tons of cowboy imagery around the city there's like saddle buildings and like um Buildings with like like uh, steer heads on them and cowboy hats yeah. on them and stuff. Dude, and then Everest Oil Tower, which is so tall that it has a permanent ice cap on top of it. Absolutely, yeah, two miles high. <laughs> so damn. Dread arrives in town, but learns that he'll have no help finding the judge child, as all the Texas judges are busy either as part of like a mute a mutant roundup, which Dread seems to disagree with. And the rest are dealing with catching the deadly angel gang that's now on the loose. Which apparently you need like a contingent of judges just to deal with. Definitely reasonable. So luckily Dredd, of course, prefers to work alone. Um, Yep. Says it right out the gate. Yeah. So he uses the Texas City crime computer to find recent uses of psychic powers in the city. He traces them to a fortune teller, Brother Death, in Muty World, which is a deadly amusement park, basically. <laughs> yeah, I guess you got nothing better to do than walk up to a giant hand that's coming out of some water and get your head scrunched. Exactly. Yeah, there's an arm monster. Uh, Brother Death is telling people what day they'll die, and that's Brother Bunsen with the Judge Child, we're all pretty sure. And in fact, we're so sure that so is the Angel King. <laughs> yeah, before Dread can find him, the Angels do, Paw Angel and his three sons, they've twigged to Bunsen's, to a Brother Death's con, and, you know, that he's sort of, that he's teamed up with a psychic, and that he has a, uh, like a way of communicating with him and stuff like that. So they demand the kid, or mean angel, who has a dial on his head that regulates his level of anger and violence, will go up to four on him. Which, oh my god. I'm so stoked that the angels have finally shown up, dude. Um, They're pretty cool. It's so awesome. Yeah, um, you know, if if you're new to Judge Dredd, you can see sort of a visual version of the angels in the Stallone 
um, Judge Dredd movie, which is pretty. Yeah, pretty I remember. Yeah, it's pretty faithful to what these um, angels mm-hmm. are like, I'd say. And they're just, I'll spoil you by letting you know that they're going to be the primary antagonist in this here Judge Child story. Uh, oh, awesome. But so, uh, Brother Death tries to run off with the Judge Child, but Dredd catches him first. Death runs into a giant building shaped like a monster that's like a high dive, and Dredd gives chase. <laughs> The Angel Gang grab that arm monster that's in a pit that Fox mentioned earlier and oh six it on the both of them. And it's disgusting looking. It's got like one eye, one massive human arm, one little weird tentacle thing, claw feet, and a gaping slabber, slavering maw. Like, yeah, toothless uh, maw. <laughs> It's really gross. Yeah. So okay. So there's this. So there's this thing, Fox. It's the uh, the Jaws of Doom high dive. You jump from the mouth <sighs> of a giant monster and you try to hit this tiny like glass of water, basically. Which all right. The inside is full of crazy scaffolding. Uh, Why? Brother Bun. I don't know. I don't know how you get to the top of it normally. <laughs> It seems like they aren't doing the the right way. Um, no. <laughs> but so. Uh, Brother Bunsen or Brother Death is uh, is is climbing up there. Dread's going after him, and the thing in the pit is going after them both. <laughs> Great. And um, guess who gets caught first? It's Judge Dread. Well, Dread manages to take the thing down with a series of gravity and scaffolding based uh, kung fu moves, basically aided cool. aided by some super awesome combat quips, like. Oh yeah! Only one. But can it also defy gravity? Only one thing will stop this monster: a touch of the broken arms. And then he jumps off the scaffolding, like smashes the thing's arm, like on the scaffolding stuff. Hope you're registered, <coughs> Texacare Buster. That arm's gonna take a ton of plaster. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. At the monster's mouth, Dredd catches Brother Death, and both of them see the Angel Gang head out with the Judge Child in tow. Great. Another chase. Mm. Dredd makes the high dive off the monster and lands in the, uh, in, in the tiny thing of water. But the angels perfect have escaped. Yeah, perfect 10. But, the, but uh, the angels have escaped, and their path is blocked by this giant like Trail of Tears-style muty roundup thing. What the hell? They're just kicking all the mutants out of Texas City, you know? They're uh, anti-mutant racists. <laughs> they all are wearing t-shirts with a spray-painted M on it. It's really messed up. It's crazy. We're going to, like, uh, interestingly, like, this was actually a big theme in a pretty recent Judge Dredd story when, um, briefly, t- Me- Mega City 1 and Texas City teamed up, but, like, Texas City's hardline anti-mutant stance really put a strain on things. Oh, really? Yeah, but that's not for like... That's like a 2016 story. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Anyhow, so don't worry about that. What is important <laughs> is that Dreads won a ton of prize money for both beating the thing in the pit and doing the high dive. So what does he do? Well, he ta- he trashes it because money is going to be helpful. Because Texas City money is going to be helpful where he's going. The Angel Gang have headed off world, and that's where Dread has to go to follow him. Oh, man. He's got to go to space in the coolest, <laughs> like, judge super vehicle ever. Yeah, buddy. Business is picked up <laughs> to, to, the, to, to catch the to Angels. The Justice One. Mm-hmm. To catch the Angels, Dread hops aboard the Justice One, Mega City One's badass Star Cruiser. I don't know if you saw this, but the U is a judge shield. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Dude, so good. It's just, it's this huge, sweet-looking spaceship, and the front of which is just a giant, like, um, badge, basically, or like a, you know, sh- shoulder eagle kind of thing. So Mega City cool. One style. Aboard, ab- aboard ship, we meet the pilot Larder, the engineer Judge Lopez, who has a mustache, and the stringer Judge Motherfucking Hershey. Oh, oh yes. Shit. <laughs> There's also an accountant who dread kicks off the ship right away because no expense will be spared to find the Judge Child. And he's like, I'm going to make sure this is to budget. Also, that mustache, note that mustache. <laughs> so the mission is underway, despite Dredd's worry about Lopez's facial hair. <laughs> yeah, which is brought up constantly. Mm-hmm. Along the way, they stop at the Echo, Echo Bravo 4 mining rig. There's been some irregularities there, and Dredd and Hershey investigate. They find the crew of the rig long dead and the base controlled by the base computer. 
Dredd and Hershey take turns saving each other from murder bots, put on spacesuits, and blast themselves out the exhaust tunnel to safety as the rig is destroyed by the cruiser. Yeah, FYI, that robot was done darn crazy. Yeah, uh, you know, I don't want, yeah, definitely. The robot, like, it's a crate, like, just seeing all these, the base is all zero G, so there's just all these corpses floating around in it and stuff. It's pretty, like, ridiculous. Yeah, it's very Event Horizon. Definitely. And, like, I really want to give a shout-out, too, to how well Hershey, like, holds her own, like, matching Dread shot for shot and just being super-duper awesome. Dude, Hershey's a badass. Can't stress that enough that Hershey's a badass. Um, <laughs> and so, so, of course, all's well that ends well that they've blown up the station, and he's finally decided to talk to Lopez about his mustache. <laughs> Basically, we start, once Dredd gets on the ship, he starts, like, we get access to, like, his his journal of his journey through space. And I swear to God, every other entry is, like, either must talk to Lopez about his facial hair, or Lopez is not responding to my requests about his facial hair and stuff. It's pretty funny. <laughs> You're not supposed to have no facial hair when you're a judge. You gotta Come shave on, that. Man. Shave that off, son. Next episode: Buggo versus Black Boab. What the? F- All right. Basically, like for the next couple months, we're gonna be on this space adventure with Judge Dredd and Hershey and all these guys. Sounds horrible. We're gonna get a chance to see just like space in the Dredd universe. Oh, and man. it is everything so about awesome. it is crazy, like and awesome and so good. Oh my gosh! Uh, it, it was a really good showing. Like, what the hell, man? This like amped up real quick. <laughs> it's definitely, man. Yeah, they definitely just sort of put 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 a brick on the accelerator um, for for the for the Judge Child. You know, they definitely know we went, they've got we a went fun from story Egypt here. To space. Egypt yeah. to space is like it, or sorry, New Memphis to space. No, I know what you, you mean. Know? There's so much incident in these four progs, <laughs> like, oh, like, God. like you know, post-apocalyptic Egypt to Texas City to space. Yeah, angels going to heaven. Then yeah. we go up to space. Yeah, plus the angel gang, plus Judge Hershey. I don't know. It's good times. Oh man, they're really hitting their stride with this. I, I like that they take some time to just do those generalized one-offs, just so that these come out. Definitely, yeah. That's like a whole. I I got a whole speech about sort of impo- about how you you, you got to pace Judge Red right to develop the city, so then you can leave the city and have more adventures. You know. Exactly, and then you just get to come back and find out how fucked up things are still. Exactly, but hey, speaking of adventures coming to an end. Oh. A deadly end. Oh, yes. Thrill 4, Fiends of the Eastern Front. So, script robot for Fiends is is Jerry Finley Day. Art robots, Carlos Escara. Lettering robots, Jack Potter. So, okay. I really like Fiends of the Eastern Front. It's fun, man. So, let's let's reset just a little bit. Um, In 1980, a business guy is reading a diary to a military guy about the diarist's experiences fighting fighting with and against vampires in World War II. Uh, As a Nazi. Yeah, well, you know, as a German soldier, at least. Uh, Hans Schmidt and his buddy Carl have killed eight of the ten vampires and are now on the run. Carl's Which, by the way, how yeah. many like soldiers can say that they've killed eight vampires? Very few. You got to spend time just making the silver machine gun bullets. Exactly. <laughs> oh my god. So, uh, yes. So Carl's in a bad way, and the two stop at a field clinic. Carl is being treated, but that night he is attacked by the remaining vampires. So that's the thing is that they come into this field hospital and it's a church. And so he's getting transported into the church and Hun's like, all right, that's fine. He's in a church. They won't be able to get in. But then some like doctors basically are like, oh, we want to take him out. And he's like, hey, why is my friend outside? And he's like, I don't know. And then some vampires try to eat him. The, so, the vampires are wearing doctor uh, 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 coats and stuff. But gotta be sneaky. Before he can turn, Hans pulls out a uh, lobster grenade and and a uh, destroys carl's body with it it's pretty awesome dude and blows up like three of them in the process mm-hmm. but oh hmm. so hans One's decides still alive. yeah well two are because oh, yeah, still just right. the two so hans decides to fake his own death knowing that the vampires will investigate his corpse um when this happens and vampire henchman gorgo investigates his grave 
Hans pops up out of it with a sharpened shovel and cuts Gorgo's head off with it. It's so awesome. It's... By the way, when he was hiding underneath the dirt and it's just his eyes and little nose hole, that was so mm-hmm. fucking funny. Mm-hmm. Looks like a potato man. Yeah. So, Gorgo's destroyed. There's one vampire left. Hans gets in an armored car and rides out to surrender to the Americans. The war is almost over, but in the present day we learn there's one last secret. What could it be? Mm. On the armored car, the troops get directions from an old lady, but Hans recognizes the old lady as the vampire's assistant, Kringu, in disguise. It's a trap. No oh, man, it explodes. The car runs over a mine, and Hans is blown free. Kringo, Kringu stands over Hans with uh, the final vampire, Constanta's coffin behind him. Kringu starts monologuing, but Hans manages to grab a flamethrower and burns them both to ash. <laughs> P.S. To all those future villains out there, I know it's really hard. Just don't monologue. Never you gotta, monologue. You have to. <laughs> so Hans eventually walks into an American camp to surrender, but when he does, he finds everyone there dead. Uh. In his monologue, Constanta or uh, Kringu explained that Constanta could regrow from the smallest piece, the smallest piece of ash, and he has. Oh my god. He attacks Hans, successfully turning him into a vampire. Whoa! Oh god, you've become the monster you've been hunting. Yeah, Hans has been bitten by Constanta. He's a vampire. There's a very cool page where we see, like, through his eyes as he becomes this bloodthirsty beast rushing around, turning into a bat, eating a ton of Russian guys, all this stuff. It's really, like, awesome. It's, Just the speed at which it happens and man. stuff. Yeah, so... Hans is a vampire, but he has a plan. He'll lock himself in a cellar, mark the walls to warn people about what what vampires look like, and then write this diary that we're currently reading. Then he'll take one of his two remaining silver bullets and shoot himself in the heart with it, committing suicide. And that's what he did. Yeah. Cut back to 1980, where the business guy confronts the general, saying that the general is is actually Constanta. And then he pulls a gun with Hans's last silver bullet on him. The general admits the truth and removes his disguise. It's Constanta. So here's the thing. The mm. business dude is like, he basically is like, I've been tracking you for the long, or tracking these like murders in the EU for the longest time. And you've been stationed at every single one. I know it's you, mm-hmm. but he, so he's been doing this for months and he knew about the diary and all of this stuff. And he didn't like prepare extra weapons or bring some extra people or like think to like coat the whole place in something he could use. Nope. Just the one gun with the one silver bullet plus that he, he shoots and misses. Yeah. Plus he reveals that, that he knows all this before he shoots Constanta, showing that good guys also have a monologuing problem. <laughs> yeah. What the hell, man? Like, so be prepared. It's a vampire. <laughs> yeah. So, so the business guy fires at Constanta but misses. Um, the Constanta prepares to kill the business guy, but we learn, but suddenly we see that the bullet has opened a hole in the roof, and Constanta is bathed in sunlight, killing him. I oh, can't come back from that, Ash. The business guy grabs Constanta's swagger stick and impales him with it, and the vampire menace is destroyed. What the hell is a swagger stick? It's like you ever seen like those like old timey like military dudes, and they have this kind of like whip kind of looking thing or riding crop thing that they like kind of walk around and like huh. you know like point yeah. things with or like whip you know whap a dude upside the head with the, that that's a swagger stick basically no he's called it a riding crop i mean you know it's same difference i think for general yeah. purposes it's you know the generals would be using a riding crop as a swagger stick basically um Fair dues. so that's it for the fiends they'll return periodically maybe as kind of a punchline over the next couple years oh. which is which is a bummer this feels like sort of a forgotten thrill that i feel like you know deserves a second look but it's really good there is a full revival of it in a 2006 with a series in the judge dread magazine yeah i think it's really? just um yeah i think honestly fiends feels like I think sort of from a, a context-free 2017 look, Fiends is, is like good and makes sense and stuff in, in here. But in the context of British comics, and especially in like 1980, I don't think it's a, it's a good fit. Just because like they have horror comics, they have like specific World War II comics and stuff. So like this feels oddly placed in a sci-fi comic like um, 2000 AD, you know what I mean? 
I suppose so. I just, I really love this comic. <laughs> it's really fun, man. It's like his vampires in World War II. I don't know what you need, you know? Like, I'd, yeah. play, this, I'd play this video game for a thousand years, you know? <laughs> like, God, that's what I'm saying, is it's, it's, uh, it's creative enough from the standpoint of, like, a comic book, and mm. it's fun enough in that, like, so it's really serious, obviously. Like, everything that's happening is serious. Nothing about it is particularly funny. But because it's so po-faced in its execution, that's what yeah. makes it fucking hilarious. It's just the absurdity of these vampires in this World War II setting. And, like, you know, we had a lot of fun just talking about, like, Hans being an anti-vampire racist and stuff like that. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's, <laughs> he's, it's, it's really just bizarre but enjoyable and like something that I looked forward to at the middle of each one of these comics. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I agree for sure. Yeah. Uh, so let's go, let's sort of bre- dial things back a notch with non thrills, covers, nerve center, Captain Clip, competitions, top 10 sci fi movies, and the seven wonders of the galaxy. Good God. <laughs> There's so much non non thrill stuff in all these. So let's go let let's go quick. All right. <laughs> in, uh, uh, go. in Prague one fifty one we see the lawmaster helping Judge Dredd lead a revolt against the garbage god with art by Ron Smith. Um, besides a very strange Hitler Tharg picture in the nerve center of this issue. <laughs> Yeah, Adolf Tharg's weird. Yeah. The, the big news here is about un, is that uh, now unpublished letters will be entered into a lucky dip for random prizes lying around the Fleetway offices. Aw, uh, dip. Yep. The Flash Pistol Contest continues from last episode with a word search and birthday candles you have to cut out for several from several different progs. There's also a yeah, the, there's a font-based word word search. I believe the answer is Neptune. Uh Klep and the T uh in Captain Klep, he and the TV cops, I believe they're the guys from the Sweeney for the record, have been kidnapped by Rupert Hitler, and he's about to kill them with an otter stuffed with dynamite. Oh, right, all the otter jokes. After two, after two false endings and five otter puns over the course of ten panels, Kleb manages to finally catch the bad guy and all's well, and that's it for Captain Klepp. We oh, blessedly, thank God. Yeah, we blessedly free of single panel strips for about 19 more progs. Uh, oh. Later... <laughs> Later in the prog, Tharks gives, gives a bunch of contest results. I am super jealous of David Lowry from Northumberland, who won that awesome poster where that was like oh my close encounter to the third kind uh, inspired and stuff. Well, and it had the stainless steel rat on the far left. Mm-hmm. Also, we now know the name of Tharks' home planet, Quaxan, which will become, you know, just p- part of the lore now. In our That's movie cool. countdown, we've entered more modern movies with 1968's 2001 A Space Odyssey. Really good movie. Yeah, I like 2001 pretty well. It's clearly the favorite of whoever's writing these reviews, I think. In, uh, uh. in Prague 161, Mike McMahon introduces us to the Angel Gang. Uh, Ju- Judge Dredd is a dead man. Mm. Which is also technically a spoiler for a much later Judge Dredd story, but don't don't worry about that. Anyhow, um, okay. <laughs> there's a pretty funny Venus de Milo picture of oh, Thar. I loved that one. Venus de Thargo. That was my favorite. Yeah. Anytime Tharg is shirtless and being weird. Yeah. And uh, the Mighty One also blags the next sci-fi special, which I'm actually pretty excited about. It, it, it has some interesting stories in it. Um, okay. We're on the second to last of the top ten movies, Dark Star, which sounds pretty cool, but I haven't seen that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mid Prague, there's a commercial for a for the badass Boba Fett action figure, and like if you're kind of a younger person and you and you've wondered why people think Boba Fett is cool, it's basically based on this toy ad in this Prague of the comics. Really? I mean, I don't know. They're in all the comics in America too, and it's just very cool looking. Camel view and finder, grappling hook, rocket pack, storage pack, rocket pack controls, and a laser rifle with knee darts and tools. I mean, what more could you ask for? Nothing. Um, <laughs> there, there's also another reader's survey, and I won't bore you with my responses this time. Uh, Mid Prague, there's a bunch of uh, Tharg pictures of, I'd say, varying qualities. The, the ironic Tharg, the pit, Tharg the Thinker picture is the best one, though, IMO. <laughs> Agree. Uh, the back cover of this issue is a floppy flyer from some yogurt company. Nice. <laughs> Dude, Ski Yogurt. Uh, get a flipper or flippy flyer from Ski for only 79 pence, including P plus P. I think postage and handling or something. Ooh, that sounds right. 
in 161, Brian Ballin provides a nice close-up of Dread and the Judge Child reflecting his eye visors. Oh, which, uh, all right. Tharg teases the new stories starting at the end of this episode, um, and there's a new color feature starting in 162, The Seven Wonders of the Galaxy. Mm. A uh, a writer wins 10 pounds for an evil version of Wolfie Smith, which isn't that really... An evil Wolfie Smith yeah. isn't that different from actual Wolfie Smith. Um, Correct. The final top 10 movie is Star Wars, and I gotta say, I love how unimpressed the author of these articles is with Star Wars. <laughs> Really? Like he says, like, although the plot of Star Wars is quite weak and the character is generally shallow, which, like, shots fired, basically. (laughs) Wow, bro. Uh, Prog 162, bring me the head of of Sam Slade, says the god droid, drawn by Ian Gibson. Uh, There's a turnip head Tharg that reminds us to send only black and white pen drawings to uh, 2080 to be printed. And there's a letter that is pro-punk in Judge Dredd, as well as a recipe for roast Gronk. And a picture celebrating short characters like Dwarf Star, the BBs, Zog, and Rojaz. Yay! Mid-prog, there's a general sci-fi quiz, which I'm surprised by the, like, advanced Star Wars terminology of, like, Darth Vader being the Dark Lord of the Sith and stuff. There's also a collection of dread art, and it's very ironic that this prog has a Tharg story about not tracing things, because I see at least two clearly copied images here. (laughs) One from the 1980 (laughs) annual, the other from the uh, uh, um, cover where where Dredd won the Eagle Award for Best British Character for Shane. Kids of 1980. <laughs> oh my god, how do you even remember? They stick out. <laughs> the, uh, the first of the seven wonders of the galaxy is the Colossus of Rhodium, a huge space statue that offers safe passage through a deadly asteroid belt built in 2880 AD. Yeah, there you go. All right. Hey, Fox. Well, uh, yes. Speaking of mysterious space things. <laughs> Thrill 5, Blackhawk. No. So Blackhawk, script robots Alan Grant, writing is Alvin Gaunt, art robots Massimo Bellardinelli, loading robot is Pete Knight. Give me one sec, all right, Conrad? Do it. I'll be right back. Like me. All right, three, two, one, go. So yeah, so <laughs> with advice from Quark the robot, Blackhawk is on the final search for his soul. Um, he runs out to the hell at world's end, the event horizon of the black hole we've been in for a while, and that's where things start getting weird and crazy. Oh, look, it's a big old circly doodly do. I mean, it's yeah, it's a, it's a wobbly space thingy, basically from like Red Dwarf. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I guess he just walks into it, and there's weird snake raper. Yeah, he starts hearing the voice of the soul sucker. It calls out to him. Blackhawk soon finds the monster. It offers him the same deal it offered Captain Psycho, basically to be its servant in exchange for eventually getting his soul back. But Blackhawk has a different idea. He's tired of being a slave, of being bossed around and all that stuff. So instead, he stabs his sword into the heart of the beast. And turns out uh, that's just kind of what fixes the problem. So. Yeah, well, luckily he's got a sword that, like, sucks life energy out of things, so it ends up sucking the soul out from the soul sucker as a soul sucker dies. Hooray for context-sensitive equipment. Blackhawk's back, baby. Well, look, I'm regular again, except my eyes stay the same, because yeah. I guess whatever. Gotta be and then cool we get some funny stuff. <laughs> yeah, we get some funny stuff with Zog and, you know, the, the Thargbot. Quark, yeah, he sort of asks Quark. Zog a bunch of questions, and Zog just answers by saying Zog. So, <laughs> and Ursa's being Ursa. That's yeah. good. So as Blackhawk returns to the cave with his buddies, it seems not all is well. There's a huge gravity storm bearing down on them. Uh, they might be able to survive, though, if they follow Quark's advice. Ursa Which cuts I down guess. some... Okay. Yeah, it's like making a weird space raft. Basically, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Ursa cuts down some trees... Batak goes to find some vines and rope and stuff, and Blackhawk better pray, because we're in trouble. I guess, um, like, yeah, great. <laughs> so the team manages to build a ship based on Quark's design, and it ends up, yeah, being kind of a life raft slash, like, a Tinker Toy diamond, basically, they all climb into. Mm. And then they're swept up by the gravity storm into the singularity of the black hole. What'll happen in the uh, inside the singularity? Who knows? Perhaps an even greater adventure. 
Blackhawk wishes us well and is proud to call us both warriors and friends. The end of Blackhawk! And it never comes back. Well, he'll show up in, like, cameos now and then. Like, Blackhawk is really, um... Like, he was popular, and they're always... And for a long time, they'll sort of threaten to bring him back. Like, I mean, he's going to be... I, I, I believe he's going to be on the cover of this year's annual, along with, like, Dread oh. and Johnny Alpha and stuff. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe he's, like... I don't know. Maybe he was beloved, and I'm sure if I was reading Tornado at the same time we were doing this to keep up on <laughs> who the hell. Yeah. But <clears throat> to be perfectly honest, when we entered into this fray, because we are a 2018 podcast, mm. uh, the only interesting characters were Ursa and Zog. Although I think we liked Blackhawk when it first started. It just kind of went downhill a little bit, and I feel like well, that's the popular um, feeling um, mm. g- generally. Um I well, will that's say it started awesome. Like yeah. it's like I'm a gladiator and now I'm a space gladiator. Like that shit's awesome. And yeah. then he just turned into a baby. Definitely. But so I mean, but a lot. Also, a lot of people say that um, the 2012 thrill Aquila is a is a spiritual successor to Black Hawk, which is mm. also about basically like a. Uh, an African guy in Roman times doing gladiator fighting and stuff. You can definitely see why people think that, although it's not like actually like, you know, I'm Blackhawk and I'm changing my name to Aquila or anything like that, you know? Okay, cool. But, yeah, we'll see when we get there a thousand years from now. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> see you guys in a millennium. Oh, yes. So, okay, Fox, now we're going on to a whole bunch of uh, one prog uh, super stories, so this is going to go real uh, fast. <laughs> hooray! Yeah. First off, Thrill 6, Rojas Robot Tales. Aww. So this is, as we recall, another version of Future Shock. Um, mm. This one's called Droids Are Dispensable, Script Robot Gary Rice, Art Robot Brett Ewins, Lettering Robot Tony Jacob. Yeah, so the the space always cruiser. love your robots. By the way, yeah, don't be a jerk to robots, dudes. Droids are dope. The uh, the space cruiser Freya has crashed on a planet hundreds of miles from its destination. The only survivors are the robot Easy One and Lieutenant Nash, as they'd say in a British comic. Um, and <laughs> and uh, Lieutenant Nash is an anti-robot racist. Yeah, surprise, Na- surprise. Yeah, Nash is injured, and Easy One has to carry him hundreds of miles. They cover the distance, Easy doing his best to keep Nash comfortable and safe, even fighting crazy monsters and stuff. <laughs> Which, like, yeah, I gotta, like, basically break apart this pterodactyl. Right. Eventually, they arrive at the base, and Nash has, has over the time, learned to respect his robot companion. Not so the folks at the base who served Nash a much-needed meal on plates made out of Easy one beep, 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 beep. This is really messed up, man. Yeah, a very sad, bittersweet thing of, like, you know, he learns to respect and like this robot, and as soon as they get there, they just instantly kill the robot and, like, use him for food, basically. That's what the hell, man. That's a very, very weird story if you copy it over to some other human-based, um, into, into two humans or something. That's what I'm talking about, dude. But mm-hmm. you know, Rojas knows how to how to hit me right in the circ. I mean, it feels. Hey, speaking of uh, comics, giving you the feels, Fox. Oh gosh! Thrill Seven Mach Zero. It's so good to see him again. Yeah, Script Robot is Steve McManus at writing as Ian Rogan. Ro- Art Robots Mike Dory. Lettering Robot is Tony Jacob. So. Both Mike Dory and Mark and Mog Zero are back. All right. Yeah. yeah. So recent scandals have caused Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher to look into the books of the government, and she's found <laughs> the mock program. Oh God, this just keeps being dredged up. They really need to bury this deeper. I mean, it's a scandal, dude. Men activated by compu power, compupuncture hyperpower, and one still on the loose. It's a bloody outrage. What so, the. Heaven's hell is this. So find Mach 1 now, orders the Iron Lady. So we smash cut to Mach 0, who is... Wearing a very adorable suit. Yeah, he's working as a porter at a small town train station. He doesn't talk much, he keeps to himself. His body is quickly deteriorating from the after effects of hyperpuncture. He's got, like, a pet mouse and... Just wants to be left alone, even as he dreams of all the horrors he might have been asked to do, but was never actually did. Yeah, just wants peace. 
we see him like getting ready for bed and his body's just covered in scars and injuries from the hyperpuncture and stuff it was the worst part like his whole stomach is like covered in these crazy welts and he's just constantly bandaging himself it's yeah it's sad dude (laughs) So, yeah, God, he's such a great character. Mm-hmm. While working one day, he sees a kid on a train who's very unhappy as the adopted son of basically like a Harry Potter style family, as far as I can tell. Yeah, it's like legitimately that. Like, there's just the jerk kid who's just like, he did it. Down to like uh, the jerk kid, like the jerk natural born kid being like overweight and the uh, adopted kid being thin and stuff. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> wow, it takes place on, in a train station. Too. Exactly, that's what I'm trying to say. Oh but so, my god! But so this the uh, the uh, the Harry Potter kid in this situation is the spitting image of Zero's lost, lost long lost son Tommy. Which what the hell, man? Zero tries to put it out of his mind, but he can't. And so when the government dudes show up to collect him, they find his trailer empty. Zero is off on the run after his son. You just see him sort of sitting on a train car with like his pet mouse like on his sleeve, looking all cute, going on an adventure, basically. Oh, it's so adorable. <laughs> mm-hmm. Next episode, here comes the night. Well, that's ominous. It's everything about, like, we got to talk about it more next week because this Mach 1 story is full, is super ominous and dark and actually pretty awesome. And, like, Mike Dory's back doing his crazy dark art style and stuff. It's all it's all really neat. When isn't Mach 0 just intense and also amazing? I mean, that's a strong point for sure. Hey, speaking of a probably less intense and amazing Fox. <laughs> <laughs> Thrill 8, Tharg and the Cheat. Was it you? <laughs> so, script robot here is Alan Grant. Art robots, Carlos Escara, uh, letter robots, Pete Knight. Tharg gets a letter saying that a picture was traced by Zink. <gasps> this is serious. <laughs> and he does not look happy, but he's like looking at this letter like, holy crap. Because yeah. the great one, or the mighty one, is just always very serious about this shit getting printed absolutely yeah so the comic won't name names but the uh, the uh, offending picture was the 10 pound winner from prog 149 so the only option is that it's john Pugh of wellesley for his space pirate picture i accuse you poo oh my god that's amazing <laughs> so um tharg goes to investigate and as he leaves the office the robots all start partying um <laughs> yes you do man at Something the kick back and have some oil absolutely at the house of the cheater tharg knocks on the door and is answered by the kid's mom who's got a crazy british accent <laughs> like oh yeah yeah what do you want mate and uh, yeah you ain't a copper are you <laughs> etc it's, it's it's real intense like blue color blue yeah. color accents so uh the kid admits his cheating ways but the promise of prize money causes his mom to force him to write more letters to tharg oh my god <laughs> tharg leaves turning the prize that he gave them previously into the infinitely more valuable if infinitely harder to spend galactic groats <laughs> Thar- Tharg returns to the office and forces all the partying robots to work late into the night to finish their work I mean, that's what happens when you decide that you're going to jam on some bagpipes, I guess, and throw some darts at Sam Slade's likeness. Hey, man, if you're a robot, who are you going to throw darts at? That's not a cool character to have robots be drawing the art for and stuff. I mean, that kills robots. It's work. work. (laughs) That's fair. Hey, speaking of characters who might not be that heroic, Vox. Oh, my God. Thrill 9, the mind of Wolfie Smith. He came back as a dick. Script robots Tom Tully, art robots Jesus Redondo, lettering robots Jack Potter. Oh, there's so many goddamn thrills this episode. Oh my god. Nine? Get out of here. It's never gonna end. So it looks like the movie that was filmed during the last Wolfie Smith story we saw is now out, and Wolfie's deal is apparently now going to showings of that movie and freaking people out. Yeah, just what? Um... He's got a cool so, medallion. Yeah, definitely. But I'll say, uh, so so friend of the show, Alex, who runs the blog um, Heroes of 2000 AD, um, mm. sort of spent some time in both his articles on Tom Tully and Jesus 
Redondo um, talking about how Wolfie Smith is at best a jerk and at worst a villain in his own comic. And man, <laughs> the the opening of this of this Wolfie Smith series really um, just really like plays that up <laughs> in a big way. He's just like. Guess what, guys? Like it was all a conspiracy. It's happened, and then it's like, oh my god, yeah, man! He gets he gets the bums rush out of the movie theater for yelling at people. Then he spontaneously develops X-ray vision and uses that power to creep on ladies and then street harass them using the using the information he's gotten from looking at them naked using his superpowers, which is the which, grossest thing I've ever seen someone with superpowers do. Yeah, like seriously, man, like. You had an opportunity to be with this, like, hot actress chick when you were actually almost a nice guy. And you're like, nah, I'm good, even though you're amazing. And then just walks off and is now just like a horn dog on the street. Dude, it's just like, man, don't use it. One, one, don't use your x-ray powers to look at people naked. That's not cool without their consent and stuff. But two, then don't talk to them about the information you gained. That's just, that's just not cool. Anyhow. Exactly. And then he goes off and fucks with more people. Yeah. So then he starts just being a jerk with telekinesis, like flying around and freaking people out or like throwing tools at guys and, and stuff. Eventually, yeah. stealing a watch from a store just by straight up ripping the, the watch through the plate glass window of the shop so this prog ends with wolfie on the run pursued by a police officer after having robbed a store your heroes ladies and gentlemen (laughs) like really dude i just like he went from you know like i'm trying to figure out the good things i can do with this to just like returning and being a huge dick i don't Mm -hmm. get it yeah so uh next prog or, or next episode teleport Great. And man, that's it for Thrills this month, Fox. This is a packed episode, dude. Oh, good lord. What is your uh, number one, th- or what is what 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 thrill had the most thrill power for you in this uh, April 1980? So just want to make a quick special mention to Fiends of the Eastern Front. Not the most thrill-powered one, right? Like, certainly in thrill power, it's probably like, you know, it's like a medium, but damn, was it like good it's a good story i'm sad that it's gone um but it's really pretty neck and neck with uh robo hunter and judge dread with judge dread edging it out in like so many different ways for so many different reasons this is cursed earth again it's gonna be fucking great it's judge dread judge Dredd's so top it's mm-hmm. amazing <laughs> <laughs> yeah the mega epics are always are always the the height of judge dread i think hmm and then what 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 thrill had the least thrill power for you this week, folks, or, or this episode? Um, you know, like I, I'm not constituting one-offs in this just because there's not enough to really get done. So considering mm-hmm. something that at least ran three progs, I, you know, I'm honestly going to say Blackhawk. Like, fine, like it ended fine. Like it's not it's not bad in the slightest. It, it wasn't mm-hmm. something that I had. I I would have preferred a lot more Ursa and Zog in the end of it in a big way but it, yeah. it's just like no i gotta face off with this snake thing stab it get my soul back come back have another problem to solve and then we're done and it's like that's it yeah like that's I, I, I feel like i feel like 2008 has this problem because when something's at like a really good stride it, it can just end really well or almost too abruptly and you're just mm-hmm. unhappy but still satisfied in some ways but man when it's like ups and downs it's like all right well i guess it's over now yeah, it's no Death Planet, but you know. Oh my God, it's not awesome. <laughs> uh, anyway, so how about you? What constituted yeah. as your highest thrill overload powered awesomeness? Uh, most thrill power, Judge Dread, always and forever. No, I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, I kind of talked about it when we talked about Judge Dread. This is such. Mm. Like, in terms of just, like, here's a bunch of firsts, here's a bunch of things going on, here's the start of this crazy adventure, here's all this stuff happening. This month's Judge Dredd is really just hard to beat, you know? The angels show up, Hershey shows up, we see Texas City for the first time, and it's just really oh, yeah. am- amazing. Uh, we go to space. Dude, and tall. Yeah, and just the, and then, like, the introduction of the Justice One and stuff is really cool. Um it's just, it's so neat, and it just, and it's also just for me is sort of you know knows how this stuff goes a little bit. It's just a, such a oh we're finally getting to this stuff. I'm so excited about it, you know. 
I'm pretty stoked. Like it's definitely yeah. set up the space stuff like really well. Definitely. And then I'm going to say for least thrill power, uh, I'm going to go against our usual plan of not uh, including uh, one, 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 pro, one prog stories. And <laughs> oh, I'm going to say, Wolf- exception. and I'm going to say Wolfie Smith. I don't care for this newer, like, like I had problems with Wolfie Smith before the changes they've made for this new version are not strong changes. <laughs> You know? No, they're creeper changes. Like, what the yeah. hell? So I don't appreciate this 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 character very much, and um, you know, that's basically just yeah. all I have to say about it. You know, they don't need to back it up. Like factual evidence provided. Yeah, and I just and generally, I'm just kind of bummed that uh, Mach Zero is going to be so short, and this is going to last so long. Oh no, basically. no, no! Don't say that. I'm sorry, buddy. Um, oh, but I love Mach Zero. I know, dude. Like this is a total like uh, like sick pony that just sort of you know <laughs> we like it, but it's sort of doomed to fail. You're <laughs> doomed to end, you know. <laughs> God, it's so good. <laughs> it's real neat, man. Yeah, I've um, you know, if I could, yeah, if there if there, if there were if, if there's one collection I'd really like to get, it'd be sort of a Mach One, Mach Zero um, collection. I don't think there is one out there currently. I'd be all right a with Mach One being omitted from that for the most part. <laughs> it just isn't enough Mach Zero stuff. <laughs> no, I know it'd be a very small book, but yeah. Mach Zero is so good. It's like like a little pamphlet for you to take <laughs> to think about Mach Zero stuff. <laughs> I, dude, I keep it in my pocket. I take it out and just be like, oh, remember uh, that ho- time that he beat up that robot and, at the train station? Remember that, that hobo like, army? Small yeah. child? Oh God, yeah. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> so I hope everybody enjoyed the show. You can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or our podcast site at Cradaline.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner 2000 at gmail.com or our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're spacespinner 2 k If everything else, uh, just look up Space Spinner 2000 and we should be there. Also, check us on the... Uh, 2080 forums. I'm, we're trying to increase our presence there and, you know, should be well established by the time this episode comes out. Um, come back next time as a combination of labor disputes and me trying to be slick causes us to look at progs from three different months. Oh my god. Um, Sam Slade meets Robo Slades and Robo Dinos. Mach Zero flares out. Wolfie Smith makes some animal friends. What? Ju- Judge Dredd has a ton of space adventures. The stainless oh. steel rat returns. Yes! And we go underground for our first meeting with Nemesis the Warlock, Credo! Oh, I'm excited. That sounds good, good. Yeah, dude. Until next time, I'm Conrad, he's Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Splendid Frederick. Frederick. Got no place to lay your head. 2080 will fill your bed, but don't worry. Uh, be happy. <laughs> Cause when Space Spinner is on, you'll get no frowns. And that won't bring everybody down. I don't know. Don't worry about it. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I'm not. I'm gonna be happy. Whoa.